the title for today. It's called Don't Worry. Yeah. Easier said than done, right? <laughs> Some, we all can relate to this. Every single age group, I mean, we worry. Sometimes we worry. There's times that you're probably worried about something in your past, and you're worried probably right now for something. <laughs> but before we get into all that and how, you know, I'm going to dive into it very, I'm going to dissect it as we go along. But I want to start off in the book of Mark. But before I do that, let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Jesus, for everyone that is here this morning and those that are watching me live right now on the internet, Lord, and whomever may be listening to this throughout the week. I bless them right now in the name of Jesus. Take total control of this service, Father. Have your way in this place. Use me as your vessel, as your instrument, Father God, so that your people may receive what you have for them. In Jesus' name we all say, amen. amen. Let's start with Mark 6, 30-32. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves on a boat to a solitary place. So the disciples basically came back and reported what had happened. Well, before you can report what happened, let's see what Jesus instructed of them. So let's go back a couple verses, the same chapter, chapter 6, verse 7 through 12. Jesus sends out his 12 disciples. Look what it says here, Mark 6, 7 through 12. Then, then Jesus went about teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by twos and gave them authority over impure spirits. He gave them authority over impure spirits. Reason why, remember, Jesus still hasn't ascended to heaven yet. So the power that we have today is through the spirit of God to be able to do these things. Someone say amen. But during this time, Jesus is still alive. Still, I mean, Jesus is always is alive or saying as human form here on this earth. He hadn't ascended to heaven yet. So we don't, we didn't, no one had the power of this Holy Spirit until he ascended to heaven until the day of Pentecost. We're going to get to that. We've spoken about this. But in this moment, Jesus gives them the authority to be able to do and cast out demons. Because remember, we don't have the power to do this. It's through the power from above. Someone say amen. amen. So Jesus gave them the authority. Let's jump now. Look what it says here in verse 8. Go to verse 8. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey. So imagine I'm Jesus. You were the 12 disciples. I'm telling you, hey. I'm going to take you two by twos, go evangelize, here's the power, amen, go cast out demons, go impart my spirit, go heal the sick, you know, and do my works. But this is, there's a caveat to this. Jesus tells them specifically, don't take anything for the journey except a staff, no bread, means you ain't taking food either, no bag, no money. So, hey, go, hey, you guys, I want you to go to Orlando. Take, don't take any, and no back, go to the next verse. Wear sandals, but you ain't wearing an extra shirt. What's going on here, Jesus? You want me to go like, isn't it interesting how Jesus is Jesus? He knows all, he's all knowing. 
But it's pretty interesting when you look at this, you're like, why would Jesus tell these people, you know, I'm your disciple, and you want me to go to Orlando or whatever village, you know, these guys had to walk. There's no cars. These guys were on their journeys to preach the word of God. We're talking about thousands of years ago. Can't take any money, can't take any bread, can't take any, just take your shoes, your staff, and not, don't even take an extra pair of clothes. Just go. I'm sure the disciples were like, why would Jesus tell me that? And as a matter of fact, I was also curious, Jesus, what's going on here? Why are you telling your wife? What happens if you tell me to go preach somewhere else? You want me like, you want me to go to, if God were to tell me to go preach in New York, but you can't take a flight, or you can't take any money, I'd be like, yo, <laughs> right? Imagine, God tells you to do something, but you can't take money, you can't take food, you can't take an extra, don't take any clothes though, just go. It's interesting, right? But we're getting somewhere, church. If you would be saying amen. Verse 12 says, when, go verse 12. They went out and preached to that people should, that people should repent. Go to the next verse. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Amen. So right there, they went out. They were not hesitant. They obeyed Jesus. They went. They didn't say, they didn't, because you can see many, and I'm going to get to uh, later on when I'm going to show you a couple verses in Mark. Mark is incredible. Uh, the, the scripture of Mark, the chapter, of, uh, excuse me, the, the, the book of Mark. But Jesus knows and he wanted to see their obedience and their trust in him. Sometimes God will tell us to do something even though we may not have any idea why he says it. There's going to be times in your life where God's going to instruct you to do something. And instead of trying to figure out why, man, just listen to Jesus. Listen to what he has to tell you. Don't worry. Because if God tells you to do it, if he tells you, man, you don't take any money, if, if there's no bread, there's going to be something at the end of that. The first fruitful thing that happened was, man, amen. Demons were casted out. People were healed. Jesus wanted to see if they would trust and obey him. And then we see in the beginning when I told you going to verse 30. Remember, we started in verse 30. Then we went back to what, he was what they were instructed. Now they finally return. Imagine, they were exhausted. The Bible doesn't talk about them having a feast or anything of that nature while they're doing this evangelistical work. So they return back to where Jesus is. I want you guys to picture yourselves there. One of the disciples, you're about to pass out. You're tired. You're exhausted. You're hungry. You're probably thirsty. It didn't, it didn't go so deep in saying don't take water. So, But who knows, right? They for sure were hungry. Right after Jesus tells them, and then, and then at the end, of, you see in verse 30, when they get there exhausted, when they were hungry, Jesus tells them, go rest. Go rest. I like what happens after this too because once he tells them to go rest, then the disciples wake up. And this is all, it all coincides with this story. Have you ever heard of Jesus when he was feeding the multitudes with the, the, the five loaves of bread and the fish? 
This all coincides during the same day when they return. Let's go to Mark 6. Look what it says here. 33, verse 33 is the verse right after Jesus tells them to get rest. Was 32. Now 33. Look what it says here. But many who have seen them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Go to the next one. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were so, they were like sheep without a shepherd. We're talking about the thousands of people, guys. We're going to keep on going. If you're with me, say amen. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. So now the disciples are waking up from their journey. When the Lord told them to get rest, waking up, sees Jesus teaching to all these sheep because they need a shepherd. Jesus is Jesus. He has compassion for these people. There's thousands of these people. The disciples wake up. Look what it says here. But it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. It's already very late. Go to the next verse. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. The disciples are like, hey, you know, we got to send these people home. It's getting late. I'm sure the disciples were really cranky and probably super hungry because they had just came from this crazy evangelistical tour that Jesus put them in. Go to the next verse. But he answered. Jesus told the disciples this when, when, when the disciples are saying, hey, Jesus, send these people back so they can go buy themselves some food. They look hungry. It's late. But then Jesus, being Jesus, someone say amen. amen. He answered, you give them something to, you give them something to eat. Jesus told the disciples that. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. There's thousands of people here. I don't, I, that's more than half of my, all the money I make in a year to feed all these people. What do you mean, Jesus? Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Go to the next verse. How many loaves do you have? Because we know how Jesus is. And Jesus knows. He's all-knowing. Go and see. So the disciples went around and checked how many loaves they had. Go to the next one. Here it is. Then he says, when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Five loaves of bread, two fish. They were all hungry. They were all cranky. Go to the next one. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down on the grass in groups. Go to the next one. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Glory be to Jesus. Go to the next one. They all ate and were satisfied. Someone say amen. We've heard the story. After everything the disciples were going through. We know the story. But what's interesting is, is how after they already had seen. And this has happened to us many times, church. When there's times that we actually trust in God and we know he's going to come through for us. Even though we, we, there's times when we believe in God and he comes through. And then the same very day could have happened. This has happened where something else comes along the way. Like having, when Jesus tells you to have to feed 5,000 people. 
And the disciples, the first thing they did was worry about their money. Wait, what do you mean? How is this possible? So now what happens, they began to worry. Right after, I'm talking about the verse 30, the 32, they came back from seeing and witnessing everything that the Lord had done through them. When they went, anointed these people, healed the sick. I mean, wow. Casted out the demons. Same verse, the very next verse, they show up, see these multitudes. Jesus says, feed them. Boom, worry struck right away. And they began to worry. They didn't trust in God. They were, believe, they, they, they were looking at the situation with their carnal eyes instead of their spiritual eyes. Knowing that regardless, man, Jesus is always going to come through. If he tells you something, we don't need to worry. We don't need to doubt. Put your hands together if you want to. If you want to. If you, want to. you guys know I love, I love feedback from you guys. Their first reaction was to tell the people to go home. <laughs> Get these guys out of here. We're cranky right now. And Jesus is there teaching them. It's late. We're hungry. How many times in life have we been faced with issues like that? Sometimes, you know, we have larger things we worry about. And other times we worry about other things that are smaller, different scale. But we all have struggled with this from time to time. In a smaller scale, bigger scale, we all have worried about something. Let's dive in and read the definition of worry. You guys with me? Say amen. Give way to anxiety or, or unease. Allow one's mind, we always talk about the mind, to dwell on difficulty or troubles. A state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. Let's look at some of the synonyms for worry. It's concern, anxiety, nervousness, tension, unease, restlessness, panic, dread, stress, preoccupation. Man, that is what the enemy wants us to be living like. God wants us to live the opposite of worry, which is nonchalant, carefree, calmness, serenity, ease, tranquility. Contentment, assurance, confidence, security, and my favorite, relaxation. Relaxation. Someone say amen. That's the exact opposite. But I wanted to dig a little deeper because I like to dig deeper. And I researched because... You know, worry is a human behavior also. Because sometimes when you think of worry, you look at it as if it's a completely bad thing. The majority of the time it is. Because when you worry, you're, it leads to unease. It leads to sometimes you get to the level of panic, which is terrible. That's never good. But... And obviously, God wants us, which I'm going to read the verse later, cast all your cares upon him, all your anxiety. Hallelujah. He fights our battles for us. But I believe that God has also created us in a way. We have a human behavior, which worry, I would say 80% of the time is, is not a good thing. And when I say it in this way, I'm just, I want you to bear with me and listen to what I have to say. 
Because there's, it's like, it's like the other day when I told, when I, when I preached on pressure and stress. Sometimes a little pressure is good. And sometimes, and the majority of the time, a lot of pressure, when it's overwhelming, it's bad. Stress, the same thing. You're just a person that, you know, you're just all day, you know, you're only, the, only wor- the, only, the only stress you have is grabbing the remote control and changing it and you sit at home all day. You know, you have to have some, the, you know, some pressure is good. Little, light, nothing too heavy. That's another preaching I'm not going to get into. We're talking about worry today. But look what it says here. Worried is considered a natural human behavior. It is common emotion experienced by individuals in response to perceived threats, uncertainties, or stressful situations. Worry often arises as a way to anticipate and mentally prepare for a potential negative outcome. Some levels of worry can be normal and even helpful. For example, I'm a father. Right, church? Are you with me? Say amen. If I see that the door's unlocked and my, you know, and my kids, when they were two, three-year-old kids, and there's a, you're in the middle of 8th Street and when there's a big traffic jam, you better worry. You better close that door and lock it because you don't want your kid to go running across the street. You have to, you have, that type of worry now is a little different. A shark, you see a shark, you better run away. You better worry if your kids are playing near shark. Like, you want, can I get an amen? All right, cool. So you guys are understanding what I'm saying. I want you to be with me. Okay? At nighttime, before you go to bed, you know, there's going to be something in your hand. You know, you're going you're gonna to worry if you lock the door and put the alarm on. You're not going to leave your door open so some guy just comes in and robs your house, right? Someone say amen. Okay, good. I'm glad we're all here. Those of you watching me, I know you're saying amen from where you're at. But obviously, what I'm getting at now and the real worries and the stresses, anxiety, when you get to these levels, then now it becomes an issue. You see, after you do lock your doors, you're not going to be worried if someone's going to rob your house and do something bad to you. Because you know God takes care of you. You see, now you don't want to get it to another level where now you're never going to jump in the ocean because you're afraid you're going to get bit by that shark. We rest on Jesus. Someone say amen. We don't allow the enemy to get us to such a state in our minds, in our thoughts, in, in that we, we don't, that people have car accidents every day. What, you're not going to drive? You're going to stay home? You're not going to cross the street because you saw someone in China get run over by a car. Now you're going to get run over too? Look both ways. Someone say amen. amen. But the large majority of the time, people, it's normally a negative anticipation. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. Because he, what does he want to do? He wants to steal, kill, destroy you. He wants to steal. He wants to steal your happiness. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your relaxation. He wants to steal all of it. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your rest. He wants, man, we are, we need to find rest in a restless world. Because this world is restless. A large majority of the time, worry is something that is negatively anticipated. And you see, the word anticipation has power. 
Because anticipation is your faith or your fear. You see, if I anticipate something good, I'm believing for something good to come. But if I'm anticipating something negative, that's also going to come. Because you receive what you believe. What are you anticipating? And yes, a large majority of the time, like I said, sometimes we even worry when we're in the... Per there's good things that... There's, good, there's things that God can give us and tell us to do. For example, the disciples, they began to worry about what's going to happen when God already told them everything was under control. And now there's also things that we can worry about when it's not a God-given thing. Because, for example, if, you're, if, there's some, if there's an issue with your health, people worry about things like of that nature. But now that's not a God-given demand. For that's not of God. So what am I saying? You have to know if it's a God-given thing. For example, something that's of sickness is not from God. We don't need to worry. We need to rest in God. And we also need to know that by his stripes we are healed. Now, when God gives you an order and a demand, Abraham, he said, go. Will you worry about what's going to happen where you're going? That's not anything negative. That's something good. But you're going to worry and now you're going to block your blessing? You see the difference? Someone say amen. God gives you a promise. Are you going to worry about how it's going to come? Are you going to throw the towel after your first obstacle? It's a God-given thing. But now guess what? You don't receive that promise that's from God because you worried about the outcome. And you're worried about the obstacle that you're going to face in order to receive it. And then on the flip side, there's other negative attacks that happen because this is the life we live. There's certain things, some issues with your family, some issues with money. God wants us to, God doesn't want us to worry about anything, but sometimes you lose your job. That's not a God. Uh, God sometimes can turn, we already know how he can turn and alter anything around. Because sometimes God get, get, tells you get out that job, he has a better one for you. But if you begin to worry and you fall into depression and you just stay home and then you start blaming God, you begin to, come on church, am I preaching? Are you receiving this this morning? This goes both ways. Jesus is our rest in every single scenario in life. When things are going bad, sometimes when they are going bad in the physical, man, he's your rest. And when things are going good, there's sometimes that we can worry when things are going good. Like when, man, you're flourishing and things are going good, but God wants something more from you. But you're comfortable where you're at. And you don't want to take that next step because you're worried. Come on. I know I'm not the only one that goes through this. And you know what's beautiful about the book of Mark? You can be in the perfect will of God and still worry. Check it. I preached on this about maybe like seven months ago. But two chapters earlier, okay, we've been in Mark 6. You all know the story of Mark 6. We already talked about it and discussed it. 
But two chapters prior to Mark chapter 6, Mark, Mark 4, 35, when Jesus tells the disciples, so let's get on the boat and go to the other side. Mark 4.35 says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. I'm not going to read the whole entire the whole chapter or the whole story, but this is the story. And if you don't know it, I'm sure a lot of you have heard it. Now, Jesus is on the boat in the stern, just the bottom part of the boat, if you will, like the small cabin. All the disciples are with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. I'm obedient to Jesus. I'm on the boat with Jesus. Jesus told me to get on the boat. I'm being obedient. I'm on the boat. Jesus is with me. I'm in the perfect will of the Lord. What could go wrong? Amen. Amen. But they weren't saying amen, but what could go wrong was it was a tremendo storm. A terrible storm. As a matter of fact, it was so bad that this, the Bible says that the disciples were fearful of their life. But I'm with Jesus. And Jesus the whole time, what is he doing? Estado mío. He's sleeping. While wow, this is going on. They're panicking. They're fearful. They're worried. Trust me for their lives. But they were obedient. They weren't sinning. They, were, they obeyed Jesus. They were on the boat with Jesus. You're in the perfect will of God with Jesus. There's going to be a storm sometimes even when, man, come on, church. Are you going to worry? Well, we say no. I promise. I, I, it's easy to say don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> but when you're on the boat, Jesus is asleep. Man, they woke up. Jesus, don't you care that we're all going to die? <laughs> What? And Jesus, man, I love how he, he woke up. Jesucristo, Jesus. Peace, be still. <sighs> Everything. And then it goes on. I love how it even goes on even right after. After the storm is calm, he look at the disciples and says, I rebuke you. Because that's Fear. How can you be afraid when I told you we're going to make it to the other side? How are you going to worry when I'm with you? And if I'm with you, who can be against you? Because come on, church. You could be in the perfect will of God and still worry. But we're not going to do that, right? Someone say amen. Someone say, I don't worry. Jesus is my rest. Glory be to Jesus. Put your hands together. If God promises you you're going to make it to the other side, you're going to make it to the other side. Now, how do you want to get to the other side? You want to get there all panicky, shaking, all frightened and all pale, worried, with stress, with a bunch of gray hairs. Sorry for those of you who have gray hairs. You understand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to make fun. I got gray hairs too. I dye them, so don't worry about it. Yo me lo pinto. I really do. I don't mind. You get. I got my own barber shop. I, I, I'm, I'm blessed. Seriously, though. Do you want to get there stressed out? You want to get there totally all fearful, all stressed, all worried? 
And plus, I don't want my king to be upset with me because Jesus was mad at the disciples after he calmed the storm. And Jesus being asleep, man, that was a sign. That was a significance of how he's our rest. He sleeps through the storm. Relaxation. Tranquilation. Relax. God is in control. Glory be to Jesus. Don't worry. I want everyone to stand to their feet. Hallelujah. I have a lot of verses. I'm going to begin to read them out loud now. I have about 10 of them that the Lord put in my heart. And I want you guys to either, you're not going to, I didn't tell them to put them all up here because it's just going to be a lot. But I want you, I want you to receive what the word of the Lord has for you. And how God is your rest and how daily you should be reading what I'm about to tell you. Because that way you can reassure, like we need to renew our minds. Part of the renew your mind process daily is a reassurance of who you are and what God has for you. Amen. Put your hands together. This is part of the process. Every day we got to continue to reassure ourselves because we have an enemy that's like a roaring lion waiting to see who he will devour. So we want to be ready. And we want to continue to reassure ourselves constantly. That's part of the renewing your mind process. Giving yourselves life. Life is the word of the Lord. So you may not, you want to, you want to either record it now or put a voice note or just check it out. You can watch this online. And when you have it online, then write this down in your personal time. Because I'm going to say about, so about, fifth, about 12 verses now. And I want you guys to now hear it and receive it. And also later on, or if you're here now, you can, I don't know if you're going to type really fast. Because I'm not going to go too slow on this one, but I know you will receive. The point is I want you to focus on what I'm saying to you now. And then later on, write down the verses and look it up online. We're on YouTube. Every, all, of our, all of these preachings are on YouTube. Amen. So the first one is this. Look what it says here. This is about the rest. All these verses coming up. Genesis 2, 2 to 3. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work creating that he had done. Before I continue, I'm reading first all the Old Testament. I want you to understand this first church is very important. Because remember, Jesus fulfills the law in the New Testament. Jesus is now our rest. Back in the days, it was all about what we did, and, not, and it was different. It was about our work and our sweat. Now we have Jesus. He's the only one that could fulfill the law and the only one that ever will. So I want you to understand, I'm going to read some Old Testament scriptures, but this rest is based all the time when you see rest. It's not a physical day. It is a 24-7 thing. Jesus is our rest constantly. He is our Sabbath. Someone say amen. Okay. So now I can continue. I wanted to be clear on that. Amen. 
Exodus 20 verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 23, Psalm 23, 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Psalm 56, 55, 6 said, 55 verse 6, I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove and I would fly away and be at rest. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Psalm 62 one says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Exodus 33, 14 says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Psalm 46, 10 says, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know. Man, that's rest. Hallelujah. Now we're getting into the New Testament. Take my yoke upon you. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, excuse me. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which, trans which trans transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Matthew 6, 25 through 26 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink. Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Oh, are you not much more valuable than they are? I'm almost done. This is the last one. Actually, I got two more. It's okay. You guys are getting fed. Say amen. This is the word of God. Receive it. Matthew 12, 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. 